right, HTC, how are you doing today? Man, it's so good to see you. I missed you. I was away last week. I had great things as we wrapped up. 2022 began 2023. Glad you were here with us. Man, I'm just so grateful, even in the month of December, being here at Christmas Eve services. We had 5,500 people be a part of those services with us. And it was so great to see our staff team just jump in, serve in so many ways. So great to see how many of you took on various roles and how many of you invited someone from your Oikos, from your relational world, to come to see and just celebrate this great news of Jesus's arrival. So it's such a a great way to wrap up that year. And man, I'm telling you, I am excited about the new. We are three weeks away from a wedding. And Aaliyah and Joe are doing an incredible job. There is what you would expect of the, blah, we have a wedding. And it is right around the corner. So we're excited for that. Be praying for the Arnett family and just that we don't lose our minds in the process. But man, bride and groom are doing an awesome job. They're so organized. And just this today, we went down the hill and did some errands for that. We can't wait to celebrate uh, this union that God's bringing together. So excited for that as well. So here we are. And we're kind of beginning, not just a brand new year, but a brand new series. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited for what we're going to dive into in the next seven weeks. It's probably a series that is near and dear to many hearts, not just mine. And it's one that we've been spending a lot of time on on the teaching team, making sure that we're able to bring you the most helpful tools during this next series. As you saw the video, it's called Mending Fences. And when you think about mending fences, right, you think of at least one common way that phrase is used, right? The idea that there's a a break in a relationship and we need to mend that. We need to restore what was there. But then in a very literal way, and, and if you come from feeling, you understand fences that keep in livestock are important. And we need to mend those so that We don't have open range cattle, sheep, pigs, whatever is going on around town. And so mending fences, very literally keeping things intact is also another part of what this series is gonna be about. And the reality is simply this. If you have been a Christian, if you've been a follower of Jesus for very long, there's no doubt that you have a sequence of relationships of people that you are close to who at one point followed Jesus, at one point were a part of the family of God, but at some pivot, at some crossroads, decided to go a different direction. And it's been months or even years since they've literally lived in any way consistent with being a son or a daughter of God. And your heart is broken. They are people that you served alongside. They are people that you were in the same small group with. Sadly, they're your kids. And so when we talk about a subject of how should we respond, how should we be prepared to re-engage, how can we fortify our own faith? Because we know that people who are in, as it were, we're gonna use this metaphor of sheep and shepherds so much throughout this series, people who were in the fold of the flock of God are no longer. Just to help you see that you're not alone, if you have someone close to you that, it, that is that description of what I just said, someone who has walked with God in the past but now is no longer, raise your hand. 
Just if there's someone that you know, that's someone really close to me and I get it what you're talking about, Todd. So hands all over this place. And the reality is, is what we wanna do over the next seven weeks is we wanna do a couple key things. We want on the one hand, we wanna talk about what are some of the prevailing issues about why people leave the church and, and what maybe are some things that would be better for us to understand that it's not simplistic often, it's relatively complex. And, and to even develop a little bit of empathy, but with the admonition that we would actually engage. For some of us, re-engage, because there's a, a bridge that's been burned or just so long since you've reached out. And that we would be people who, as fellow sheep of God's flock, we would, in a sense, have a heartbeat to go after strays. But the other thing that we want to do, back to that mending fences idea, we want to fortify our own faith. We want to make sure that the things that we might be struggling with, the things where we're letting doubt have a lot of hold in our life, man, we want to address those and we want to bring God's word and look at those things together so that we would be built up, so that we would be better prepared to grow and follow Jesus in our own lives. And that's what this series is about. For those of you who are here, by the way, those watching online, a big welcome to you, glad you're here. Those in Powell though, take a look in your notes and you'll see this card. This card really represents the dual purpose of this series. On the one hand, you'll see a list. This is like what we always talk about, right? Make a list of the people that you're praying for. What I'm gonna ask you to do even before we're done today, not even wait till this week, is to start identifying the people in your life, maybe former friends, extended family members, people that you served with, whatever, that you just know, man, they're, they're no longer walking with the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to put their names on the sheet, but more importantly, I'm gonna ask you to commit for the next seven weeks to be praying for them. And you might say, Todd, they live in Alaska. You know, I mean, I don't have any contact with them. Can I tell you this though? Number one, the world's a lot smaller with the internet today. But the other thing that's true, it's amazing that when we begin to pray for people, it's amazing the opportunities that God gives us with them. It's not coincidental. It's God answering that prayer and listening. So I'm gonna encourage you, I'm gonna take this challenge. You can see my card's blank tonight, but I'm gonna take this challenge as well. And I'm gonna be praying daily for people in my life who have walked away from their faith. And my prayer is, is that God will use that kind of focused prayer time from High Desert Church to reconnect, re-engage, and most importantly, to see people who've walked away from their faith be encouraged, be loved, be admonished, come back. If you flip the card over, you'll see the other purpose for our series. We are going to be resource heavy in this series. I'm gonna mention two today just out of this message, but on the back you'll note these are some great classes, some interactions and panels we're gonna have. We have been talking about this series for months as a teaching team and been planning accordingly. So when you look on the back, if you note, man, that would be so good. I wanna make plans to be there or this would be good, but more importantly, there's someone in my relational world I need to drag to this thing. That's gonna be huge for them. So be anticipating these. Keep this somewhere where you can see it and be reminded of. And I'm excited as we dive into a new year, we're gonna be about mending fences, both reaching out, being equipped to reach out to people who aren't walking with the Lord, as well as fortifying our own faith 
And that we would be encouraged, we would be equipped, we'd be excited to follow Jesus more closely than ever. So if you have a Bible today, would you find your way to John chapter 10? John 10, hold your spot there. We'll get to it in just a second and we'll dive in and um, see what we see. Now, <clears throat> I wanna say this out of the gates. I have never in my 52 years on the planet, I have never had to give a caveat, not, I don't know what the right word is, not an apology, but a caveat of why we're gonna talk about sheep and shepherd. And the reason I say that is this, I am uh, reminded that in the last couple of years, for sure since the pandemic, that when you hear the word sheep, you've actually heard it always quite negatively. Sheep, there's even been a new word that's been designed. Look in your notes, the word sheeple. Sheeple, people who are docile, compliant, and easily influenced, people likened to sheep. So sheeple, sheeple are the people who can't think for themselves. They just let somebody else manipulate them and they follow that lead. And they do so as in, in, a, in a massive group, in a big flock. That's the way that word's been used. It's been used, the word sheep has been used so negatively. There's a clothing company called Lions Not Sheep with the same attitude. And by the way, if you're wearing that shirt today, I don't care. I'm not critical of it at all. I'm just saying the word sheep and the concept of sheep is actually used so negatively in our culture that I want to make sure that as we go into this series that you don't let political views blind you from a really important thing. All over the Bible, we are likened to sheep. It's not a new thing. It's not a, hey, this would be a really great idea for a sermon series. Let's talk about sheep and shepherd. Like we just came up with it. Old Testament, New Testament, all over the place. We'll even see some of that as we begin today. We are constantly likened to be the sheep of God. So we're gonna talk about Bible things because that's what we do. And if you have a political thing that you walked in with today that thinks that sheep is a negative term, let me just remind you of what God's word says. We are constantly referred to as the, the sheep, as the, the full, the flock of God. And I gotta tell you that actually, that idea is really huge as we dive into a series talking about why people have walked away from the shepherd. And it's simply this. What is the nature of that relationship, sheep and shepherd, is that of leadership. Even as we'll see today, that of ownership and authority. That's built into the relationship and sheep fulfill their function and live according to their design when they follow the shepherd. It's when they don't that problems arise. Isn't that interesting as we begin to look at the examples of people and people that we even know, people that hopefully you've had a conversation with and aren't just guessing about, that have walked away from their faith primarily because they would say, I just don't wanna get under anyone's authority, including God's. This relationship of sheep to shepherd is huge. It's massive. And it's so important that we see that from the very beginning, not only not through a political lens, but also important because of the nature of the relationship. Look in your notes. Sheep are straying from the shepherd because they no longer want to follow his lead. It is a huge part of this whole problem of people straying from their faith as that of authority, 
authority of, of God over his people, authority of God's leaders over people. And we're gonna see that over the next seven weeks. And by the way, when we think about being likened to sheep, there is a really good reason. Take a look at this. Exactly. And if you sit there and think about it, you're not thinking about anyone sitting near you. You're like, "Mm mm-hmm, that'd be me. Let's dive in. In your notes today, number one, Jesus isn't every sheep's shepherd. You gotta say that without kind of muddling up the words. Jesus isn't every sheep's shepherd. Psalm 23 is where we're gonna start. I want you to keep your Bibles to John 10. But look what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. This psalm is probably one of the most beloved, one of the most comforting. It's probably the psalm I use most in the midst of a memorial service to just bring comfort to people who are experiencing significant loss. And what I want you to do with me today, those here in Powell and those watching online, I want us to read this together. I want you to read it out loud with me and I wanna let these words just wash over you because they are rich and they are meaningful and they're so valuable. Let's read it together on one, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a reason why that psalm is so well known. It's powerful. It's got great stuff. And and one of the resources, some weeks as we walk through this series, we'll give you resources about why it is that people are walking from their faith. But other weeks, we're gonna give you resources that bolster your faith. And this very first week is one of those. It's a book written by Dallas Willard. And it's this life without lack. And by the way, I'm gonna have these better in your notes over the next few weeks. I don't have it written down. So if you wanna write it down just to remind yourself, do that now. A life without lack, Dallas Willard walks through the 23rd Psalm. I haven't read all of it yet, but man, I've read most and the parts I've read are so enriching, such a great reminder of what it is to be led by the shepherd and what that life is like. And I love the title, Life Without Lack. So this would be a great read and it really circles all around this 23rd Psalm. But I want you to catch what we read in the first five words. The Lord is my, my shepherd. David didn't write from a perspective that said the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is every sheep's shepherd. He didn't say that. With an incredible sense of connection and ownership or being owned by, David writes as a shepherd himself, the Lord is my shepherd. 
So a key question right out of the gates in this new series, so how does one become one of God's sheep? How does one get enfolded into the flock of God? That is really, really huge because that's where we need to start with a foundation of understanding then who is in God's fold. And what does that look like? What does that mean to be included into his flock where he's the shepherd? And as we think about this essence of what kind of faith does someone have who is or who has left? What kind of faith did they have? Did they have a faith that was rooted in this covenant, this connection with Christ as Lord and Savior? Or did they have a faith that was more connected to a particular ministry or a particular church? Did they have a faith that was incredibly connected to their parents and kind of rode their coattails of faith and involvement in the church, but once they turned 18, once they became a young adult, I'm out. Did they have a faith that was primarily an emotive response, given the opportunity to respond to the gospel And yet making that response never had any evidence of faith again. You see, that's really important when we talk about people leaving their faith, what kind of faith did they initially have? And I wanna tell you, that's not my job to critique, nor is it yours. But we need to bring it to the surface to look at and ask the question, people who are leaving God's flock, did they have saving faith to start out with? Did they have that kind of connection to God? Look in your notes. One of the catalysts for this series comes from this concern about how many people who, quote, pray to prayer and yet don't live according to that commitment to Christ who think they have saving faith. It's like, I remember at this camp, I remember at this vacation Bible school, I came down front, I prayed a prayer who was ever leading it, and I'm good. And the problem is there's a big disconnect from that thought and what the Bible teaches. Let me show it to you in the best way I know how, just through pop culture. There's a country music artist named Hardy. And if you love Hardy, I'm not dogging Hardy tonight, okay? What I'm actually saying is Hardy's lyrics to a song, Give Heaven Some Hell, is exactly the problem with the way that we see the whole thing. This is the way the bridge goes in the lyrics. I was there when you raised your hand, heads bowed, singing just as I am, walking that aisle, praying that prayer. Man, it ain't right. This song is about a friend who was young and died young and at the memorial service. If you watch the video, that's what's going on. And you read that and you go, yeah, that sounds like someone who who came down front in response to some invitation of the gospel. But then you move into the chorus. But if you gotta be there, being heaven, I hope you hit those gold streets on two wheels, hope your mansion in the skies got a 10 acre field with some mud and some hubs you can lock in, which by the way, I don't even know what that is. Um, Make some thunder, make them wonder how you got in, hide your beer, hide your clear from the man upstairs, crank it loud, hold it down till I get there. And when I do, I hope you got some new stories to tell till then give heaven some hell. Can I honestly say, what? And I'm not dogging the band, but I'm just saying the theology demonstrated in that song is exactly the problem. It's how so many people think. I raised my hand. I walked an aisle. I prayed a prayer. 
And afterwards, the rest of my life did not look any different than it did before. That's not a saving faith according to scripture. And that's one of the biggest contributors, one of the biggest problems to this whole dilemma is what people do and don't understand about what saving faith is. Now, let me say this before you kind of go, well, wait a second. It'd be real easy every week at High Desert Church, how do we finish a message? By giving people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. These ABCs of admit, believe, choose. And it'd be easy to be critical of, well, are we just doing the same thing? Let me provide attention. Every child born into the family of God, John chapter three, is born again. There's a birth that happens. It starts somewhere. Every person who's ever gotten baptized at High Desert Church who starts with, I've always been a Christian, pastors who hear that go, let me pause you, because biblically speaking, that's not true of anybody. There was always a point at which you began And you made a decision and you did enter into the family of God and began walking, following the shepherd's lead. So on the one hand, there absolutely does need to be the gospel presented and an opportunity to respond. That is totally true and it's something we're gonna keep doing. But the reality is if that's the extent of the commitment, if that's the extent of the response is I prayed with Pastor Todd on a Saturday night Biblically speaking, that actually looks a lot like a parable that Jesus told, a parable of the sower and the seeds. And these two middle categories are so fascinating because seed was thrown onto soil and there was a response. A plant began to grow. But for numerous reasons, the plant never grew up in a way that it produced a crop, which is exactly why the farmer sows the seed in the first place. Not to see green things out of the ground, but to see a crop develop. So this is a huge part of the story that we're gonna be talking about the next seven weeks. Is the faith that someone has walked away from, was it saving faith in the first place? And maybe some of it's attributed to, that was really the extent of it. I remember praying a prayer. Let's keep going. Number two in your notes. Jesus' sheep know his voice and follow his lead. Jesus' sheep know his voice and follow his lead. Now we're in John chapter 10, where your Bible's open to. This is what it says. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. You're gonna see in John chapter 10, it's the fulfillment of the 23rd Psalm. David, the psalmist, was writing from a shepherd's perspective about the relationship he had with the great shepherd. John chapter 10, Jesus is gonna say, that guy that David was writing about, I'm here. 
And he uses this analogy out of the beginning, the first six verses of John chapter 10. And I'm gonna tell you, people who are familiar with an agrarian culture, people who knew the basics of shepherding 101, which many of us do not, would have listened to what I just read to you and said, yeah, nothing new. We know how shepherds do their jobs. So it's very similar to what Jesus often does with parables. He'll begin with something that people clearly understand and he'll move and he'll show a spiritual truth from their everyday lives. Look at the next verses and this is where we see why he told them that. Verse seven, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. There is so much going on in verses seven through 15. We don't have time to look at all of it, but I wanna identify four things related to the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. In your notes, Jesus himself is the gate for the sheepfold. Jesus himself is the gate for the sheepfold. When you hear Jesus say, I am the gate, you probably think one of two things, either woo, that's very mystical, Jesus, powerful. Or you go, huh? When did a human become a gate for anything? And then you realize first century shepherding in the Middle East looked like this. Take a look. This would be a very normal sheep pen with rocks stacked upon rocks, but an obvious opening in the middle where the sheep would go in and out that didn't have doors, but had a shepherd who slept in that space and would keep the sheep from coming out and would keep predators from going in. Take a look at this other picture. Did you see the second one? I didn't even know, I'm, I'm like so in my zone. I don't know what you saw. But the second one's even like a very realistic look of why is that opening there? That's where the shepherd would be. And look what happens when the sheep stay with the shepherd. They experience great protection. Jesus just said it, I'm gonna protect the sheep. But on top of it, when he leads them out, they experience great provision. He completely cares for them. Second bullet, Jesus won't run away when times of trouble arise. Jesus won't run away when times of trouble arise. The hired hand, when he sees the predator, runs for his life. That's scary, I'm gonna get bit, I don't want anything to do with it because the hired hand doesn't own the sheep, doesn't have a vested interest. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, they're mine, and I get in the fray. I don't run from anything, I protect my sheep. Third, Jesus and his sheep have a mutual, intimate knowledge of one another. A mutual, intimate knowledge. They hear my voice and they follow me. 
He likens their connection and, and oneness to even him and the father. Like me and the father are one, so is my connection, my relationship with my sheep. That's huge. Finally, number four, Jesus anticipated laying down his life for his sheep. He knew that was in the cards. He knew that was his mission was to actually die so the sheep could be saved. So when you think about those four realities, when you think about that kind of connection, when you think of that kind of intimacy, when you think of that kind of protection, Note that Jesus didn't come and live on this planet, die on a cross, raised from the dead, so you could have a surface, disconnected, I prayed a prayer once, relationship. He did all those things so you could know him. He did all those things so that you would be his. He did all those things so he could protect you. That's the job of a shepherd. So just note, Jesus wants and expects so much from this relationship, not simply, I remember in the fifth grade, and I've lived my own way since then. So many in our culture have bought into this reality that belief is somehow equal to something I did once and then lived the rest of, the way of my life the way I want to. That's not at all what responding to the gospel is all about. The relationship of Jesus as shepherd and his people as sheep, it's a simple illustration of the relationship he intends to have with you. That you recognize his rightful ownership and love for you and that you respond to his authority following where he leads. Look in your notes. It's these two dynamics that we'll do well to understand and engage. As my shepherd, Jesus has a rightful authority over all of my life. As the shepherd, that's his rightful thing is to have authority over me. And secondly, as his sheep, my response is to follow to his leadership in every arena of my life. Not attempting to limit him to just the areas I deem okay for him to own and to lead. There's not a selection process. There's not this sense of, Jesus, thank you so much for all you've done and including me into your flock. These are the areas where you can lead. These are the ones you can't. That's not the nature of the relationship. And the reality is, as we get specific, look how it begins to break down. As we begin to share stories and begin to connect dots over the next seven weeks, one of the most consistent things that I see is when people begin, when you talk about the process of straying, it rarely seems to happen overnight. It's usually a process that begins and one of those is beginning to either never having a good grasp of God's word at all or beginning to go, you know, I just, I've heard it, I know it, I'm moving on. And God's word becomes something that is a dusty Bible on a shelf there's no engagement, there's no connection, there's no growth. And the reality is when that begins to happen, the point is you don't live in a vacuum. You have so many voices coming at you all day long. Those voices begin to develop roots. They begin to develop their own foundation in your life. And you begin to listen a lot more to the culture and a lot less to your Lord. That word, by the way, Lord, it means master. It means that there is an expectation of ownership and leadership. 
One of the things that we've done that I appreciate, I want you to write this in your notes. Just write the phrase, what we believe. What we believe in your notes. And again, I'm gonna do better next week having this stuff all in there. But if you type on our website, howdesertchurch.com, just go to the little search icon and type in what we believe. What we'll populate is a set of our, what I just call our creedal statements. These are the basics. These are the foundations of the faith. And they're not things we just give mental assent to. They're things we dive into. They're things we want to practice and live. And if you want to know, maybe you're new to HDC and you're like, I don't even know what you guys believe. There you go. We told you what we believe. Type that in in that search part of our website. It'll pop up. You can read through those. So departing from God's word is usually a a huge piece of someone straying from their walk with the Lord. Another big one is, is that when we begin to not value people the way that Jesus does. One of the things we learned at the very beginning of our Bibles in Genesis 1 is that God made every single human being in his own likeness. We are image bearers, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color of skin. It doesn't matter what geographic region you're from. It doesn't matter of what your economic position. You are an image bearer, loved and valued by God. And so is every other human being you talk to. And so the reality is when that begins to break down in our lives, when we begin to see people as things, when we begin to see them as less than, we're beginning a process of beginning to devalue what God loves and values so much. You heard Pastor Mike say earlier today, we are really jumping in with two feet in this month, this great focus annually of the sanctity of life, the value, the holiness of life. And that fits in that category, both out of the womb and in. And this is a huge part. A third one that I find that happens in people that I know, a devaluing or just an absence from the word of God, devaluing people and thinking of them as less than God does. And finally, thinking that what is mine is mine. If I'm a sheep, then I'm under a shepherd and everything I have is his. When I begin acting in terms of my gifts, in terms of my resources, my finances, as though those things belong to me, what's fascinating is just like Paul wrote to Timothy, very quickly those things begin to own me. I don't own them. These are three big areas that consistently seem to be a part of the the ingredients, the recipe for people walking away from their faith as they begin to look at other pastures and begin to go, you know what, that's what I wanna go after. This is something that's of my past, not my future. Finally today, number three in your notes, the good shepherd is called some to be under shepherds to keep watch over his sheep. The good shepherd, as Jesus said he was in John 10, has called some to be under shepherds to keep watch over his sheep. We're in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch, this is Paul writing to the Ephesian elders, the leaders of that particular uh, city's church. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, laid down his life for his sheep. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Watch this. Even from your own number, even from within the church, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away after them. 
So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. These are literally the last words that the leaders of the Ephesian church ever heard from the apostle Paul. It was soon after this that a farewell began and he would be imprisoned and they would never see him again. So this is massive. This is a huge conversation. Acts 20 encapsulates all of it. We just read one part. But you'll see this charge. You'll see this sense of commissioning. Hey, you've got a really important job. And one of the parts, it's not the only thing that overseers, that elders do. But one thing is you've got to protect the flock. You are under shepherds of the good shepherd. And as a result, you have a unique role to take care of the flock by protecting them from false teachers, protecting them from people who would come in and lead others away, that's on you. And I gotta say, man, when I read that, that, that's huge. That's a weight on my heart. If you don't know our structure at High Desert Church, it's our pastors. Our pastors who function as the elders of this expression of the body of Christ. And I gotta tell you, I love these guys. They truly take all of their role very seriously, but this one is huge to them. They're very careful of the people that they bring in as guests to teach. They're very careful of the different types of studies that they would encourage and recommend. They're very thoughtful of this because they know this is no thing that was reserved for this first century. This isn't something that's so obvious that documentaries, there's a whole genre of cult leader documentaries you can watch. Those come right off the, the screen, it's pretty obvious, but man, there's a lot of subtleties. And our pastors do a good job vetting and processing, discussing together as a group. So just know that I feel like you're in really good hands with the types of pastors that we have here at HDC. I think for most of my lifetime, when I would read this passage in Acts 20 about savage wolves coming in to tear apart the flock, I think I, I, I made less of this. I think I thought that, well, in the first century, there was probably all kinds of wacko theology and they needed to be prepared. Or I would think, yeah, there's a bunch of crazy cult leaders. I guess we should be wary of them. But man, you guys, over the next seven weeks, we're gonna bring some stuff to light. And there are people who definitely have an agenda and they want to see you walk away. They're powerful, they're persuasive, and they don't look like savage wolves. They look very veneer. They look very easily approached, but there's more going on under the surface. Time will always tell somebody's motives and their heart. And there's been enough time with people we can look back to and ask some really good questions about people that are here right now in our Christian subculture and just go, God, I wanna be thoughtful. And I gotta tell you over the years, I have loved when people from HGC have come to me and said, Todd, I'm wondering about this author. I'm wondering about this speaker. I'm wondering about this pastor. And if I know anything about them, I'll be quick. And if I don't, I'll do some research and get back to you. Because it's really important that we're very careful with the things that we're kind of letting be very influential in our lives, influential in our minds. 
so we look at this concept and we kind of go, God, this is important. I told you we're going to be very resource heavy in this series. One of the things I've come along, it just is true. And I've really loved this. I haven't always been an audiobook or a podcast guy, but probably in the pandemic, I started doing that a lot more. Some of you will tell me, Todd, I just don't read. It's not that you can't, but you don't. And I'm okay with that. Because there are so many great resources that are for your ears. And when you have an hour drive commute down the hill, when you have something you're doing around your house and you just put in your AirPods, man, this is such good stuff. So we're gonna recommend every week something you can listen to. You could get the audio book, by the way, for the Dallas Willard book I mentioned earlier. But we're gonna mention a podcast. This is called Think Biblically with Sean McDowell. Some of you have heard Sean when he's come to HDC in a couple of our apologetics weekends. He's been here with us, great communicator, great thinker. And what I love about his podcast, he embodies grace and truth. He's never gonna get into a debate and be mean to the person he's interviewing, but he's gonna ask great questions. He's gonna surface things and treat them with respect, but also wanna bring up what God's word says. So if you are listening to podcasts or if you never have, but are looking for one, I'd recommend that highly. Let's wrap up our time. It wasn't Paul only who talked about people coming into the flock and wanting to eat the sheep. Jesus said it too. We just read it. Thieves will come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And because Jesus is the rightful owner, he has that concern, just like you would. If they were your sheep, you'd want to make sure they're protected. You wouldn't be okay. Well, I just lost three last month. Well, what are you going to do? Right? Man, you'd be about it. Like, no, no, no. These are my sheep. I'm going to protect them and care for them well. And note the response of the sheep. I find this so interesting. What did Jesus say? If they're really my sheep, they hear my voice and listen, but they don't listen to imposters. They don't listen to strangers, thieves. And this is another good question as we begin dialing into this series. Look in your notes. If it begs the question, if people have left the church to follow someone who is not leading according to Jesus's ways, were they ever truly his sheep at all? Jesus would say, my sheep listen to my voice. If they're not my sheep, they listen to other people, but mine listen to me. And so this is another piece that we're trying to kind of understand, God, when we hear people have left, they've strayed. By no means does everyone we're talking about fit into the two groups we've talked about today. Prayed a prayer when I was five and lived like the rest of my life the way I wanted to, or someone who uh, was among the church but really got caught into a, a, a deviant kind of teaching There's so many stories that don't fit those two examples at all. But those two I just said, there are plenty of people that fit those two. And so week after week, we're just gonna take a deeper dive and try to understand, God, how do we know this? How do we we recognize what straying from faith is? And God, would you break our hearts so that we want to be a part of God's mission of going after lost sheep? Jesus mentioned not just thieves that come in to steal, kill, and destroy, but he talked about predators, wolves that would want to get in among the people of God and and go after, especially they scatter the flock so they can isolate a sheep by itself. Because Jesus is in a hired hand, he doesn't run when the predator comes, but he stays and protects his sheep. Finally, in your notes today, what we want to include each week in this series, not only how we protect sheep, 
not only how we protect ourselves and protect our friends, but also how we intentionally reach out with love and compassion to those who have left the fold. That's gonna be what our heart beats about each and every week in this series, is we're going to take time in each message to say, God, fortify our faith. If part of the issue is I just raised a hand and lived my own way, God help me, let that not be my story. If part of the story is I was among the people of God and, and just kind of listened to a, this off voice that just kind of led me away, God help me not be that. But as we fortify our own faith, we're gonna be encouraged to have on this card. If you haven't put any names on here, man, think about this before you walk out today. Let's start this at the very beginning, seven weeks. Let's pray steadily, consistently for the people in our lives we love. And maybe it's been years ago, but we know they're not walking with Jesus today. Let's put their name on a card. Let's start praying for them and watch as though God does something when we pray. Because we sure do believe that. Father God, thank you for a new year. Thank you for even this first week as we're kind of getting our feet on the ground and kind of getting acclimated to different things. In some ways, nothing's new. It's just another new, another day, but in other ways, a lot is new. And I pray that after, at this new year, as we go after mending fences, both mending relationships that are estranged because people have walked away from their faith, or whether it be about mending the fences in our own lives where the, the fence is weak and it's easy to see us break through and wander away. God, do a work among us. And would it be such a rich time together? If you're here today, maybe what you've realized in our time together is I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about you. Maybe you're here in the degree to which you are putting your confidence and your trust that you really are in the, the flock of God and his fold is simply because you prayed a prayer years ago, but literally you've been living like hell ever since. Can I tell you, there is no missing why you're here today. God is so purposeful in what he does. You have every opportunity right here, right now, like we talked about, every child of God is born. There's a birth. And if you would say, Todd, I'd, I've just been living my own way for so long. Great news is the invitation's always there to come home. To come home by A, admitting that you're a sinner who needs a savior. To come home by believing that Jesus is the only savior available, that he lived a sinless life, that he died a sacrificial death on the cross for you, but that he was raised supernaturally on the third day. He is the only shepherd. And see, choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I put my confidence in you and I wanna follow you. I don't just wanna be birthed into a family. God, I wanna be a part of the family. I wanna live on point, on purpose with you following the shepherd's lead. You can make that decision right now and I would just pray, don't let another moment go by until you do. Father, in the next seven weeks, would you break our hearts? 
but which will also build our hearts up. Grow our faith, grow our resolve, but God, give us a, a sense of rescue. Give us a sense of encouragement, equipping to reach. And would you do amazing things in the lives of people who aren't even in this auditorium, who aren't even watching online yet? Because we pray. We pray that you'll ignite something and reconnect. God, we love you. Thank you for your goodness, your patience over us. And we pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen.